Well, good to see you all out here on this uh, this Sunday. It's a little uh, wondering how the snow was going to be coming in, but there sure wasn't much to fill. And I think by the time most of you all came down here, it was pretty much gone, what little bit there was. But uh, early this morning, it was falling pretty good, and it was looking pretty nice out there. If you can turn over in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-seven, or you can look up on the screen, whichever you want. We are. How many were up on Facebook this morning and saw a little bit of what we were getting into? All right, if you get up there on Facebook, there we go. We'll get, the, get some of those folks up there. We, uh, we put something on there. We, we spend a whole lot of time here in church talking about how to live the Christian life. But we don't really get to spend a whole lot of time about how to end it. So we want to spend a little bit of time. Now, we're not going to spend a whole series on this. We're just pretty much going to spend today on it and, uh, and look at this. But um, it's something that we ought to be aware of, of how we as Christians should come to the end of our Christian life. In 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty seven, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, thank God we have victory. On this particular chapter, he's talking about victory in particular over death. Over death. There was a man who went to his doctor to find out why he was having these terrible, severe headaches. Really strong, really severe headaches. Went into the doctor's office and the doctor... Looked him over, gave him a full examination. And um, afterwards, he, he, he told the man, he says, I have some, he says, um, I have some terrible news for you. Your condition is terminal. And the man cried, man, how, how long do I have? And the doctor began to say 10. And that kind of just panicked the man. And he began to interrupt the doctor. He said, 10, 10 days, 10 months, 10 weeks. How much, how much time do I have? And he goes, the doctor continued, nine, eight, seven. <laughs> that would be bad news, huh? <laughs> well, we as Christians shouldn't fear death. But sometimes we are unaware of some of the things that are involved with a Christian death. And because of it, we don't quite go in there the right way. There is a good way to die. That's one thing I used to love about Star Trek. I love the Klingon's view of death. The Klingons had a great view of death. They would all get together before battle and they would say, it is a good day to die. <laughs> now, if you get your, your, your mentality of such that it is a good day to die, <laughs> there isn't too much else you can do in that. I know uh, this, this comes out of history, not out of the, the TV stuff, but history. I think that it was the Spartans who used to, the wives would give the shields to their husbands on their way to battle. The Spartans were a very unusual brand, brand of warrior. If you didn't do any research on the Spartans, you ought to. These are the Greeks, and there's one uh, group of the Greeks. And what they would do is they would, the wives would hand the shields to the husbands, and they would tell the husbands, this is the wife speaking, come back with your shield or come back on it. <laughs> a Spartan wife did not want her husband coming back as a coward. And so that's what they would, they would tell them. So they would go off the ward knowing they had basically permission to die. And uh, it just changes your outlook on things. It changes how you go about stuff. Too many times Christians are trying to preserve the wrong things. So we just want to spend a week here and go on some things in the Word of God to find out about this victory over death that we have. So first off, we want to look at what is death? What is death? It was not God's purpose that we should die. 
That was not the purpose of God. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 22, then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. This is after the fall. And now, lest he put his out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Also of the tree of life means he also he had taken of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He says, lest he also take of this tree. So either he had not taken it as of yet, which is probably more than likely, or after the fall, he was not to partake of it. Uh, therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden till the to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed turban at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword, which turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. How many have ever thought or always thought that man was kicked out of the garden because he sinned? He was not kicked out of the garden because he sinned. He was kicked out of the garden so he would not live forever. It tells you right there in that verse. We can't let him stay here. If he stays here, he will eat of the tree of life and live forever. If man lived forever, there would be no redemption. Because we know all of redemption is based around death. There was the death of the lambs and the goats. There was the death of Jesus, the son. And then we become born again. The old man dies. New life comes. Everything about redemption is centered around death. If there was no death, there would be no redemption. So out of the grace of God... He said, we need to make sure we can redeem man. So we have to make sure that he can die. It was not purposed for man to die. But when sin entered in, death also came in. And when death came in, God said, we need to have death needs to work its work because if they don't die, I can't redeem them. So he allowed death to continue on and he kicked man out of the garden so that he could not eat of the tree of life and live forever where there would be no redemption. So that's why he was kicked out. But in uh, Hebrews, go over to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. This is a verse that sometimes we misunderstand. Hebrews 9, verse 27. And as it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this the judgment. It is appointed unto man once to die. Very often we have interpreted or Christians have interpreted this verse as to say that there is a predetermined time to die. This is a thinking that is very much in the church. How many times do people say, in the church, believers, well, I guess it was just his time. <laughs> hmm. No, God appointed you to die one time. He did not appoint a time. Now, we'll show you some more about that in the, in the Bible. But these are some of the things we need to get out of the, the way of that. If you think, well, it's just a time I'm supposed to die, and so whenever that time comes, No. It's not a time. I'll give you a real good case in point with Moses. Moses, if he was, his time was appointed to die and he went up on the mountain, don't you think that would have been the time appointed? Except for the fact that he was supposed to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. Did he do that? No. So he died before he accomplished that purpose, didn't he? The reason he didn't accomplish that purpose was because of the incident at the rock. And God said, all right, you're not going to lead them in. Somebody else is going to lead them in. So he, but he wandered around the, with the children of Israel for 40 years. Was that God's purpose? No. God wanted them to spend a, a little bit of time in the wilderness, get them ready, and then take them into the promised land. But they didn't do that. But Moses would have led them into the promised land had the incident at the rock, the water, had not occurred. But since that occurred, God says, all right, you're going to die before then. And so he took him out the mountain and he died. 
Was that the day appointed by God? No, it's the day that it came to. All right, well, we're ready to go in and you're not going to do it. So it's not time. We're going to take you on. Now, I heard, uh, I think I've shared this with you before. My pastor down in Tulsa, he used to tell us, he said, uh, you know, we all feel bad for Moses because he didn't get to go into the promised land with the children of Israel and lead them in there. But in the New Testament, we see that Jesus was on the transfiguration. And who was there with the transfiguration mountain? Moses was there. So he would tell us, he said, who would you rather go into the promised land with? Two to four million murmuring Jews or Jesus? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd rather go in with Jesus myself. That's right. So he got to go in with Jesus. That's even better. Mm. So it's not a time, but an occurrence. It's an appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. So there is a, you are appointed to die, but it's only appointed to die once. The Word of God te- teaches us that there are, uh, there, there are actually two deaths that some people will go through. Some people will die physically, and then they will die spiritually and go on to hell which will eventually lead into the lake of fire. That's a die twice. But it says you are appointed to die once. God does not want you to have to go through that part of death. You can if you choose not to, to go the God's way, but he'd prefer that you not do that. In Second Kings chapter 20, verse 1, we're just going to read 1 through 11. You can read the whole story there if you want to. This story is repeated in Isaiah 38. Now, sometimes you have re- stories repeated in Second Kings or in, in the book of Kings and the book of Chronicles. But this is the story that is repeated, first off, in the accounts of the kings, and then secondly, by the account of the prophet. You don't find too many like that. Here's what it is. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then he turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. How many of all know that's pretty much, uh, he, didn't want to let, he does not want to die. He wants to stay. And it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add to your days fifteen years. I will deliver you in this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, Take a lump of figs. So they took and laid it in on the boil, and he recovered. And Hezekiah said to Isaiah, What is the sign that the Lord will heal me, and that I shall go up to the house of the Lord the third day? I'm thinking that you don't die. <laughs> but that's just me. <laughs> then Isaiah said, This is a sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do this, the thing which he has spoken. Shall the shadow go forward ten degrees, or go backward ten degrees? And Hezekiah answered, It's an easy thing for the shadow to go down ten degrees. No, but let the shadow go backward ten degrees. So Isaiah the prophet cried out to the Lord, and he brought the shadow ten degrees backward by which it had gone down on the sundial of Ahaz. What it's basically saying is that God turned the sun backwards ten degrees to show him. that. Uh, now, I'm not sure why. I mean, how many of you all wanted signs for things far more important than this? And you didn't get it. I'm not sure why. He, I don't really have an answer for why he, he got this thing. Because that's, that's a big deal. God only moved the sun 
or kept, kept the son still or moved the son twice in the Bible. And uh, this is the second uh, of those times. The other one was for Joshua when uh, he was fighting the enemy. And he said, I need the son to stay out. So the son stayed out for a whole day. But he gets this sign, and we're not really here to, to look at all that. But here we have that the prophet was sent to Hezekiah. You're going to die. Get your house in order. Now, he's dying of a sickness and disease. And obviously, it's not the will of God that he die right now. Because when he repents, turns his face to the wall, weeps, repents, God says, all right, I'll relent. We'll give him 15 more years. Now, that doesn't mean that God's timing for Hezekiah was in 15 years, you've lived your life. It just means I gave you 15 more years. He may have already lost whatever it was that he would have, would have had from whatever he got into. And uh, we could spend time on, on that thing. We spent time before going over what that sin was, but that's not our purpose here for today. But, the, but he goes on back and he says, all right, look, you got 15 more years. So you can, you can hang out and, and do whatever you want to do. And he had some things. Now, there were, were uh, certain things were not accomplished in his life. One, he had no heir. And so during his 15 years, an heir was born. And it was not a good one. It was one of the worst kings Israel ever had. But in the end of his life, he finally came back to God. But it was a, it's a bad time. He lived the longest or reigned the longest of all of the kings was the son of Hezekiah. In Genesis 25 and verse 8, I want you to see some of the things that the word of God has to say about death. Then Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years and was gathered to his people. One of the ways that the Word of God refers to death is a gathering. It's the most, one of the most common ways. It is a gathering. It says He was gathered to His people. When we die, we are gathered to the people who went on before us. Glory to God. You are going to meet up with some people that you don't even know. How many have ever done that ancestry stuff where you try and find out who it was who, you know, when your parents came on over? Because pretty much everybody who's born here, our parents, forefathers, some, someone came over on a boat somewhere. <laughs> I don't think any of us are here because, you know, we just were, our ancestors were born here. We all came from a boat somewhere. Yes. Some came from one continent, some came from another continent, but pretty much we're all boated in. And, uh, you know, they were checked in at different spots. And you can go back over there, I guess the... Um, uh, New York Harbor was one of the biggest, the, the biggest ones. Everybody, anybody been up there? Ellis Island? Oh, that's fun. I enjoyed Ellis Island. My favorite part, though, was the hospital. I just loved that. I really wanted to go through the parts of the hospital that they won't let you get into. Probably because they won't let you get in there. That just makes it more fun. But they also weren't renovated. And I saw some of the pictures. Says, oh, they look like they'd be fun to go through. But uh, you can't get through those parts. They only renovated certain certain aspects of it. But they, um, you know, you can go through it. You can do the, the history stuff. You all remember that movie that um, they, what was the name? Of, I can't even think of the name of the movie now. Um, one of my favorite actors, the Fresh Prince. What's his name? Will Smith. Will, Will Smith did that. And he had, gets this whole date. And he gets, uh, he goes and he looks up the ancestors of this girl he wants to take on after the date and finds out some of her ancestors and has it highlighted there in the book. Anybody see that movie? What is the movie? Hitch. Hitch. All right. Hitch is the movie. Oh, that was a fun movie. And he gets it, and the date didn't work out anywhere near the way he wanted it to. But anyway, he had gone through and he found all these ancestors and things. And sometimes we kind of like to know some of the ancestors and some of the things. Well, when you go on to heaven, you're going to meet them. You're going to meet some ancestors. And you won't have to do any research. And they can tell you the whole story. Where they lived, how they came about, what the boat ride was like over here. 
how the, how how life was like when they first came. You get to find, you get to sit down and hear the whole story of, of what happened with them. Then you can move on to the next relative and find out their whole story, and move on to the next relative and find out their whole story. And because uh, you know, in heaven, there's no there's no time. You got plenty of time. You got all day. You sit there and listen to story after story after story. And if you get tired of hearing stories about your ancestors, you can go over there and hear stories from Paul. You can go over here and hear some stories from Peter. Uh, you can go find out uh, uh, Ezekiel, Elijah, Moses, Joshua. You can get some of the battles that maybe weren't all, the, all in the Word of God. You can find out some stories. Tell me what happened over here. I'm wondering about that. And you get to hear firsthand from people who were there. Does that sound like a bad deal? Oh, this is going to be fun. And beside meeting all those people, you get to meet Jesus. <laughs> you get to be gathered to your people. You get to be in front of the Father and see the Father. You get to see the throne room. You get to see the gates that we've heard about made out of a pearl. You get to see the roads that we hear about that are gold. Pure gold. Gold so pure you haven't seen. Gemstones that are the foundations. Oh, you get to see mansions like you haven't seen mansions. There are no projects in heaven. <laughs> they're, they're all good houses, big houses. He's got plenty of room. And it's always a nice day up there. And you get to go there. Gathered to your people. Your people, the, your ancestors, your people as in Christians went before you. How many of y'all, I'm looking forward to sitting Daniel down. I've told you before, he is my absolute favorite Bible, Bible story character. He's, he's, he, he's the one, if I'm going to sit down with anyone, it's going to be Daniel. I want to have some talks about some things. Because I know he, he got a whole lot more revelation than he wrote down in the book. I want to hear some of that revelation. So one of my first conversations is going to be with Daniel. I want, to have a, I want to have a talk with him. And, you know, we can talk about all sorts of stuff. And we're going to have some, some fun. And we think about some of these things that are going on. You're going to be gathered to your people. And, you know, Daniel will have time to talk with you. And you'll have time to talk to Daniel. And you'll have time to talk with Jesus. You'll be gathered to your people. But he says, Abraham breathed his last. The King James Version puts it this way. Abraham gave up the ghost. When you die, you know, there's something you have to give up. And if Christians are not aware as much as they should be, sometimes we hang on. You don't need to. Abraham gave up the ghost or breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man. Now, generally, whenever the word of God repeats something, it means something, right? <laughs> he calls Abraham old twice. Full of years, he says, and was gathered to his people. In uh, verse 17 of the same chapter, these were the years of the life of Ishmael, 137 years, and he breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people. Genesis 35, 29, so Isaac breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, being old and full of days, and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Genesis 49, 33, and when Jacob had finished commanding his sons. He drew his feet up into bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. So Jacob, he spent some time blessing his sons, speaking some things over his sons. And when he gets done doing that, he gets into bed. It says he drew up his feet into the bed and breathed his last. He gave up his ghost. He gave up his spirit. And he went on and was gathered to his people. Deuteronomy 32, verse 50. And, 
and die on the mountain which you ascend and be gathered to your people just as Aaron your brother died on Mount Hor and was gathered to his people. The word of God calls it a gathering to your people. Death is not to be feared. Death is a good thing. Now maybe you're at an age you're not quite ready to die just yet. That's all right. But you may know people who died. And when you know people who died, guess what? They're gathered to their people. Now, I don't know what the, what's that show, NCIS, where they had that uh, one gal who goes from somewhere south, Louisiana or something like that. What's her, I forget her name. Um, interesting character. She's the guy, gal who does all the scientific work. Abby. What's her name? Abby. Abby. Okay. Abby, she's out over there. And she's, um, they had a, a character in the show die. And so she leads a party. You got the music going on. You got the little party going on. Why? Well, they have a different, little different view of it. Well, when you have a person who dies, they are gathered to their people. You'll be gathered with them in a little while, but you ought to be glad. How many have ever been to funeral parlors and you get into the funeral parlor and you get into funeral mode? You know what funeral mode is? <laughs> are we going to wake anybody up? <laughs> I don't know why we whisper. In the, but we ought to be glad. We ought to be excited. They're on with Jesus. They're on with God. They, they went on into heaven. They, they're in their mansion, in their place that God made for them. They're gathering the people. They're talking to people about stuff. They're having a good old time. They're not missing it down here at all. <laughs> they're having a great day. But see, we, we get into this, in this funeral mode. No, don't get into funeral mode. It's okay. Be glad. Be glad for them. See, we're sad for us because we're separated from them. But we've got to separate ourselves from that and be glad for them. Because a lot of times we have folks that are, you know, older relatives, and sometimes their bodies aren't quite up to what they had been before. And, um, and boy, I tell you what, it's just, it's just good to go. It's good to go on. Just let them go on. And just know, oh, I'm going to be there with you soon. And you can be sad. You can be, you know, you're going to be missing them for a little while. For you, you're going to be missing them for days, weeks, years, whatever it is. For them, hours. You'll be getting on up there. I've heard this from more people that have gone on up to heaven and came back. They said they saw certain relatives and they said, oh, I didn't think you'd be here so soon. I just, I just died. <laughs> because there's no sense of time up there. They're not feeling a, a, a loss from you. But you'll feel a loss from them. But that's all right. Don't get upset for yourself. And you don't need to get upset for them. They have been gathered to their people. They are talking with the forefathers. They're understanding things in the word that they didn't understand before. And they're seeing Jesus. They're seeing God. They don't have any of this battle with the flesh down here anymore. Oh, man, it's good. If they were having some battles in their physical bodies, that's gone. Because that physical, physical body is left. It's not there anymore. It's a good thing. And, uh, and sometimes you can help relatives that are older by letting them know it's okay to go. Because sometimes people hang on because they feel like you need them. Or that they're needed for some kind of purpose down here. And sometimes you just need to go in there and just let them know, you know what? Go ahead. We'll be fine. We'll be joining you in just a little while. But you go, you go ahead. And you let them know. Go ahead and be gathered to your people. Go ahead and, get, and head on out there. It's good. Then when we have the funeral, we should celebrate. They're in a good spot. <laughs> They lived their life, fulfilled their purpose. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, 
Inasmuch then as the children have take, have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. Do you know that the fear of death in your life will subject you to bondage? No Christian should be afraid to die. You should get rid of that fear. That fear will hold you back. That's why we're spending time on here today. We don't get to spend time on this kind of stuff. We're always spending time on how to live life. We want to talk about how to, how to end it. What's going on afterwards? It says that he, that through death, he, Jesus, might destroy him who had the power of death, past tense, doesn't have it anymore, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Now, you'll know some people that are in the world, hopefully not Christians, that are subject to bondage in this life because they're always afraid of dying. They're always afraid of doing something that might cause them to die. The news media is out there all the time telling you about what food you shouldn't eat. Because this food will kill you. Of course, five years from now, they're going to change their mind and tell you that food won't kill you anymore, that this food will kill you. And then we're going to take this food away from you. And well, now this food's not going to eat. Now you need to eat more. Before it was fats. Fats are going to kill you. Now you need to eat more fats. You know, milk was going to kill you for a while. Now milk's okay. Eggs, they're going to do you in. Now we're not so sure. Eggs might be okay. Coconut oil, that surely was going to kill you. Now it seems like it's going to make you alive. We're going back and forth. Don't listen to them. Listen to your spirit. If a food, when you're eating a food in your spirit, it's unsettling. Don't eat that. Then stay away from it. And maybe it's just bad for you. But in your spirit, if you feel good about eating that thing, you go right on ahead and eat it. People will tell you all the time, you're going to die if you keep eating that stuff. Say, glory to God. (laughs) Yes, I am. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. You are going to die. We are all going to die. (laughs) It has been appointed for man once to die. So we're all going to die. It's not like there's a certain day that's out there. We're still going to get get onto that. But he destroyed the he he took the power of death back from the one who had it, and now he's got it. But don't have that fear of death. Don't always feel like you got to preserve your life. No, live life. Go out there and do the things that God has called you to do. Don't be afraid of it. You know why people have a fear of heights? Because they're afraid they're going to die. Because they're afraid if I get up high, I will fall and I will die. Why do people have a fear of germs? Because the germs are going to get in me, I'm going to get sick, and I'm going to... Just about every fear has as its end result death. (laughs) So if you don't fear death, what happens to the fear? No fear. That's why those warriors, they go into battle. It's a good day to die. I don't fear death anymore. So I'm not going into battle trying to preserve life. It changes the way that you go into battle. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If the devil knew what he was going to lose by crucifying Jesus, he wouldn't have done it. He thought he could get a victory by killing Jesus. He thought he could. He knew that God had a plan, but he thought he could stop that plan. 
by killing Jesus. And then all of a sudden, things began to happen. And the power of death was taken from him. And Jesus was resurrected. But as it is written, verse 9, I has not seen nor he heard nor even entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. God's got a plan. Don't you be in fear of death. Don't you be in fear. Just get rid of all the fear. Well, now, I'm sure all of us have fears of, of certain things. There are certain things we can come up with. You know, we'd, you know, I, uh, maybe, maybe you can call it this. I have a fear of cooked cabbage. <laughs> I don't like cooked cabbage. <laughs> no, nah, it's more I don't like it. But there, there's things we don't like. There's things we stay away from. There's things we get out of the house for. You know, um, I think my daughter was the one who put up that uh, picture. It was a great Facebook picture, one of the classics of the house that was uh, in raging fire. And uh, the thing about the, uh, um, honey, uh, there's a spider, but I think it's dead or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it would be. There, there are things that can give me a fear, and you just have to get yourself to, to realize I'm not afraid of death. Death does not hold the power over me. What's the Word of God say if you drink anything poison? It won't hurt you. What happens if, the, if a snake were to bite you? It won't hurt you. Now, maybe the fangs might hurt a little bit going in and all that sort of stuff. You know, that might be something you want to stay away from. But the poison, but it won't hurt you. No, if you drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt you. If we don't fear death, there's really no way fear can get hold of us. Get over the fear of death. As long as you live, uh, uh, as long as you are not ready to die, you will be afraid to live. As long as you are not ready to die, you will be afraid to live. We should get ourselves ready to die while we are alive. That's a good thing to do. Because I'll tell you what, it'll mess with your faith if you have to prepare for death when you are facing something terminal. Prepare for death when you're not facing anything terminal. We've had um, one of the members who, who passed away and went on to with God that uh, used to come here, uh, Bert's sister. She, we, I used to have uh, go over and, and talk with her about, uh, about death. And she would tell me, when I die, this is what I want done at my funeral. When I die, these are the songs I want to sing. We had her whole funeral planned out before she went. We knew exactly what she wanted. Now, And, uh, and Bert was in full agreement on it, but not everybody else in the family was because not everybody else in the family was born again. But guess which way we did it? <laughs> we did it the way that she wanted. Her mom went on. We did the same thing with her. Find out, you know, what do you want? What do you want to do? She told us. You can have conversations like that with people. You know, death is not something to be afraid of. We're going to die. But go ahead and take care of it. Now, there's different viewpoints on what you want to do after you die. Some people want to be cremated. Some people want to be buried in the ground. We've had conversation with some of you folks about that. And some folks have real strong feelings about which way they ought to go. And if you have strong feelings on it, then make preparations for which way that you want to go. And so, but have it all ready beforehand. And tell people, while you're healthy, how do you want to die? What do you want to have go on? What kind of service do you want to have go on? What kind of songs do you want to sing? And deal with all that before it's even close. And then once it is, it's all out of the way. Get your will in order. 
Don't be doing no will when you're facing a terminal situation. That's, no, that's, that's bad news. That's, that's contrary to your faith. How can you have faith to be healed for something if you're also preparing to die? <laughs> Prepare to die when you're well. So make sure everybody knows what's going on. Now, this is where the, now my parents, they've all set it up. They got the will. I've got a copy of the will. We have the power of attorney. We have everything all set up. If anything were happened there, it's all ordered. This is what's going to go on. We know who to notify. We, we have it all taken care of. We took care of this a long time ago. It's not sad to take care of all those things. Take care of that. Get it all taken care of out of the way. And we're good. If you, as long as you're not ready to die, you'll be afraid to live. Be ready to die. Just be ready. You don't, that doesn't mean you're going to. Don't live in the fear of it. Just, hey, I'm ready. Got it all prepared. Now let's go. And you can just go on and live, all, live out your life. All right. Well, we talked about the Klingons already. We know what they think is a good death. But what is, what is a good death? What is a good death? In Numbers 23, verse 10, who can count the dust of, the, of Jacob or number one-fourth of Israel? Let me die the death of the righteous and let my end be like his. Let me die the death of the righteous. There is a death of the righteous. It is different from the death of the unrighteous. If there is a death of the righteous, shouldn't we strive to die that kind of a death? Because we are going to die. Unless Jesus comes back. Hebrews eleven thirteen, These all died in faith. Everybody that was in the faith hall of fame, so to speak, they all died. But it said they all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Well, we ought to understand. We're strangers and we're pilgrims on this earth. This is not our home. It will eventually be, but right now it's not our home. Satan has taken over this world. He's the God of this age. And this world has become things of the, the, the devil has brought about. That's why we long for something different. Oh, I look forward to going to heaven and not having to deal with people that are so flesh-oriented. Not having to deal with people that are so angry and mean and selfish. Oh, how much better is it going to be with that? Mm. we got to understand I'm just a pilgrim here <laughs> this is not my home I'm just here to do something and then I'm going home John 21 verse 19 then he spoke signifying by what death he Jesus would glorify God and when he had spoken this he said to him follow me well there's there's certain deaths that are going to glorify God you want to die one of those kind of deaths don't you I want to die a death that's going to glorify God. Stephen, when he was being stoned, was he dying a death that was going to glorify God? It says, he, he talks about, he writes, it's written right in there in the passage. If you go back over there, Acts chapter 7, I think it is, that uh, as he's being stoned, he says the heavens opened up and he saw. Philippians 1 verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. You can magnify Christ by your life, but also by your death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. To die is gain. Too often, the world has this mentality that to die is to lose. 
That is their mentality. But too often that mentality has worked into the Christian church. And we think to die is to lose. I'm going to lose out on something. No. To die is to gain. You're going to gain a mansion. You're going to gain residency in heaven. Separation from sin. Total righteousness. Experience now, not just uh, we, we look forward to having that righteousness in Christ. No, it's ours now. New created body. We've got so many things that are going to be happening to us in heaven. If you meditate on them long enough, you might just want to say, Father God, now. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. But no, don't do that. You're down here for a purpose. You're here for a reason. Do his purpose. But just if you understand how great heaven is. You wouldn't ever be sad for anyone who's already gone there. And you wouldn't be sad when you are faced with the perspective of going there yourself. You say, oh, yeah, I'm on my way to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to see Jesus today. I'm going to see the, the relatives that I haven't seen or, or the, the one who died recently. I'm going to go get to see them. Oh, this is going to be a good day. Hmm. John chapter 10, verse 17. Therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. Jesus laid down his life. He laid it down. No one took it. Verse 18. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. He had, he had power to lay it down. He had power to take it up. Did Jesus do that as God or as a man? If he did it as a man, which is what he was when he was down here on the earth, then why is it that we think this is so alien? You have power to lay it down. You have power to take it up again. Oh, there are people that can try and take it from you. People try to take Daniel's life from him. How'd that work out? People try to take Elijah's life from him. How'd that work out? People try and take uh, the, uh, some of the other folks' life in the Bible. It didn't always work out that well, did it? Now, sometimes it did. They took Stephen's life. There are times that it did work. They were successful, and they did take some people. There were some prophets in the Old Testament. They killed them. They took their life. And God says, I know. I, 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 some of you folks are going to be martyrs. Some of you folks have been delivered. And we say, ah, whatever way you want to go, it's fine with me. Uh, I'm ready. If you are a martyr and you go into God, I mean, how bad can that be? How how bad is it to show up and Jesus is there at the gate and said, hey, I got to die for you. <laughs> Jesus says, you sure did. Come on in. Is that bad? Man, that'd be good. That'd be all right. Don't be, don't be fearing anything like that. If you get delivered and you stay here on earth, it, I almost want to have the thing, oh, shucks. <laughs> Just missed it. Mm. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it up. There were many times they came after Jesus to try and kill him early. And one time he just walked through their midst. Other times he avoided the traps here and there. But then when it came time and he's in the garden and they all came with all the, the clubs and the swords and the whole group of people, he says, I am he. And they all fall down. He could have gotten away if he wanted to. He says, look, I already told you I'm him. Let these guys go. Let's go. He's, he's, I'm laying it down. Obviously, I can wipe all you guys out with just the power of my word, but I'm not going to do that. Let's go. I'm ready to die. He laid it down. 
That's a, that's a powerful way to go out. And that's what we ought to be looking to do. Go out in control. Don't go out under, out of control. Listen to God. God, how do you want me to go out? Luke 23, verse 46. And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. He gave up the ghost, so to speak. He let his spirit go. That's what we need to do. Get in that place and we just release it. Sometimes you find some Christians, they're not sure what's on the other side. They have a little uncertainty. And they get into some terminal situations. They get into some life support systems and they're hanging on to life. That's not good. You don't want to hang on to life. When it comes time, just release it. Just release it. And go on. Ephesians 4, verse 7. Because understand, you can. You can hang it down. What did Jesus say? I lay down my life and I take it up. That means that you as a person can hang on to life beyond the time that you're supposed to. Beyond the time that you need to. Some of those folks that are hanging on with the instruments in the hospital and, you know, they're, uh, they can't breathe without the machine. They can't eat without the stuff. They're coming into their veins and stuff. They're not living any kind of a life, but they're hanging on. They're fighting. They're fighting. And, and you hear the people around the bed, well, they've always been a fighter in their life. And they're just kicking in. They're fighting there, too. Yeah, that's what they're doing. They're kicking in. They're fighting there, too. You need to just release it. These folks gave it up. I know we don't go over all these things all the time. You'd rather get in all those victory stuff, right? <laughs> but this is important for us to know. We need to be prepared for when that time goes or when we are ministering to people who are, who are trying to go on. You need to set them at ease. Go on. I'll be with you in a little while. Ephesians 4. What is life? We know what death is, but what is life? This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. People in the world are alienated from the life of God. We don't know what that's like to be alienated. We've been part of the life of God. Thank God <laughs> we got that life of God. You've got to have that life of God in you. Understand this, the devil wants to snuff it out. He wants to take that life of God that's in you and snuff it out. He wants to get you distracted, going in all the directions, going after other pursuits, and not have the life of God in you. And then you start to hang on to life for like a world, the, the way the world would, not the way God would have us do it. Uncertainty for the next life kicks in. Fear can get hold of us. Well, I put this in your outline, and this is not an exhaustive list. You can certainly add more things to it, but the life of the life of God called us Two is a life without uncertainty, without fear, regret, bondage. That's the life that God's called us to. And you can keep on thinking and adding more stuff to it too. But that's the life that God's called us to. He wants us to have a life with, without these things in it. We may have had some of those things in the past, but he wants to bring us to a place where they can go. We can let them go. The life that God has for us is a life that is full of joy, peace, love, faith. That's what God wants to have. That's what he wants our life to be filled with. In 1 John 5, verse 11, And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. And 
He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. You have eternal life. The people that are in the world have eternal death. When they die from this world, they will then die spiritually and they will have eternal death. But you have eternal life. It means life never ends. It is eternal. We think 60, 70, 80 years, whatever it is down here, whatever it is that's going to satisfy you. And you know, some of us are satisfied with less. Some of us are satisfied with more, whatever it might be. But eternal Life. This country has been around for 200 years. Over 200 years. Longer than that. Jesus Christ came and died on the cross 2,000 years ago. Longer than that. It is eternal. I don't know about you, but I always when I think about eternal life, I would get this picture of going through a tunnel and driving through a tunnel on a really fast train. And, you know, you, you see that tunnel and you, all the stuff that's going by you, and it just never ends. It just keeps going. And if you're thinking about it, it just blows your mind. We're talking about eternal life. Think of it this way. As long as God is, so will you. Eternal. Now, we had a beginning. He didn't. I can't even... As much as eternal life blows me away, can you imagine no beginning? That's real hard for us to get hold of. No beginning? How do you have no beginning? Okay, maybe no end. I can maybe get my head around no end because it's just not ever ending. But how does something not ever begin? That one just really gets me. (laughs) But eternal life. You will be alive forever. Now, how long of that forever are you going to be down here? 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, whatever number of years. How does that compare to forever? Small. That's why Paul would teach us, you're down here, it's a small time. Put everything in it for God because what you got up there is fantastic. Everything that is down here is better up there. And when we come back down to the earth, what was supposed to be good down here will be fantastic again. I mean, can you imagine this? Going rock climbing... And not need safety ropes. Because what would happen if you fall? You you can't die. (laughs) You can't die. How many things would you do if you knew it couldn't kill you? Jump out of a plane. No parachute. It can't kill you. Nothing can kill you. I mean, nothing. Because you are going to be alive forever. Could you have some fun? And understand what in the in the eternal time, we're not all just sitting around in the temple praising God. We're doing stuff. Because when God put us down here in the garden, He put us down here to do stuff. Adam and Eve were supposed to do stuff, keep the garden. You're going to be doing some things. You're going to have some fun doing it. What Adam and Eve were supposed to do, they weren't supposed to have to do through toil, but it became that way. But how would you like to do stuff and it not be work? It'd be all right. Your body doesn't get tired. 
and you don't have aches and pains, and you can do anything that you want to do, and you won't die no matter what you do. I mean, if you're working with some explosives and they go off, <laughs> oh, well, let's try it again. <laughs> you won't die. Oh, man, this is good. You can have some fun. What water rafting? Number six water. You can't die. <laughs> scuba diving without scuba gear. Because you can't die. Right? Let your imagination go. But if we don't live our life down here for Him, if we don't do the things we're supposed to be, then we aren't going to be in that life. We're going to be someplace else and we did die. We are dead. It won't be so good. Over in Psalms, very familiar passage to us. 23, verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is how we should live. You walk through the shadow or the, the valley of the shadow of death. Death seems to be all around you. And what happens with you? I'm good. <laughs> it's all right. We're doing fine. You fear no evil. There's nothing to be fear of, to be afraid of. Nothing. Put in your outline this. There are some things that go on in the mind of believers that can cause them to hold on to life too long. We can begin to think, I'm not finished here. Have you ever know someone who's older in life and they think, well, I'm not finished here yet. You know what? You're never finished. You're never finished. How many have a house that you're working on? Has your house ever been finished? Have you ever sat there and said, you know what? It's all done. I don't have to paint anymore. I don't have to clean anymore. I don't have to change anything. I don't have to remodel. I don't have to... It's all done. I don't have to fix anything. It, you're always working on something, aren't you? Always. There's always something to do. There's always going to be something to do, but is it, what you, is it something that you need to do? Sometimes you've got to pass some things on to other people. Moses, was the job done? No. Israel was not in the promised land yet. So what did he do? He passed it on to Joshua. Joshua, you're the guy to take it on. Abraham, was the job done? Was there was the descendants as the multitude of the sea? No. So what does he do? Passes it on to the sons. You guys do it. You guys, this is what's what's coming. See, there's some things we need to pass on to some people. And we need to be willing to pass some things on when we get to that point. And so if you have some older ones that are hanging on, Sometimes you just need to go up to him and say, look, you've passed this on to me. I'm ready to take this up. I'll carry this for you. And just let them, just get them relaxed. It's time for them to go on. Because sometimes you can hold people around here and too long. My grandfather, you know, we, we were all in the boat that he needs to go on to be with Jesus. He just needs to go on. He just hung on and, you know, he wasn't in a, he had a little that dementia kind of thing going on and um, he wasn't walking, and it's just not the way he, he wanted to go. He would tell us all the time when we were growing up, when we were from this high on up, he would constantly tell us, he would pull us aside, and he says, you know, there ought to be some place where they take you out back and shoot you for a quarter. He always say that. 
Because <laughs> he, he never wanted to get to a spot in life where he was just surviving. He didn't want to get to that place. But he was such a fighter that as he went on and it, whatever disease was that got hold of him, um, he, was, uh, he was fighting it. And he kept hanging on and kept fighting, kept fighting, kept fighting. No, you need to give up the ghost. You need to, to let it go. You need to be prepared so that when a time comes, you can pass on what you've done, that you've passed it on to your kids or, or people that are around you. You've trained them up. You've taught them. And you commissioned them. And all right, now you guys carry it on. And then they, uh, they carry it on for a while and then they pass it on to other people. Sometimes we hang on to, to life too long. And you can hang on. You can hold on to stuff. So sometimes it's, not, it's okay. Sometimes you're not ready to move on. Our brother Hagen would tell us about one uh, person that was in his church. He was, a, he was a, uh, one of his leaders. And he had fallen into a pit. I won't give you the whole story of all that, but he was on the, on the verge of death. They thought he was dead. The word actually came that he had died. And Brother Hagen got on the scene, and they were, they were there, and he was praying over him. And, oh, we thought he was dead, but no, he is alive. He did this. And so they took him to the hospital, and Brother Hagen was there. And, well, he knew how to pray people out of death at that point. And, and so he would go on and say, Father God, uh, he's, he's this in the church, and he's this in the church, and he does this in the church, and people rely on him, and I rely on him. If I need him, you need him. I'm not going to let him die. And he would go on about that, and, and uh, he, was, uh, he was hanging on. And he said, the doctor kind of sensed that I was holding him here. And so he let me stay in the hospital. And so he was uh, there, and uh, after a while, at nighttime, he kind of fell asleep. And he was startled by the nurse who came on into the room. And uh, he said, oh, I've, dear, dear God, I've gone to sleep and let him die. And so he got up and he said, is he dead? <laughs> and the nurse said, no, I thought he was. But no, he's not dead yet. And so he got up and he went again, same thing. Father God, he exists in the church. He does this for people. He helps folks and he helps me in this. If I need him, you need him. I'm not going to let him die. And he kept him hanging there, hanging there. And eventually he started making his way on back. And he, he, um, he got up. He got back to doing the stuff he was doing, and he was fine. But he was real close to death. Now, afterwards, he came up and he told Brother Hagin, he says, I did die. He said, I was in heaven. And when I got in heaven, I saw Jesus. And as soon as I saw Jesus, he told me, you can't stay here. He says, but I want to stay here. <laughs> he says, well, you may want to stay here, but you can't stay here. Well, why can't I stay here? He said, because Brother Hagin won't let you come. And he said, with that, he moved back a curtain. And I could see you down there. And he, he, he could hear Brother Hagin in that prayer. I won't let him die. <laughs> and just like that, he was back in his body. And, uh, and he tells the, the rest of the story. But you see, you can hold people here. Sometimes it's good to hold them there because they're not done yet. They haven't finished their, their purpose or what they want to do. Sometimes you're holding people here and it's not the, not the time. It's not the, it's not the time to go. Same story, brother, or a different story. Brother Hagin told us about his uh, father-in-law, Mr. Rooker. I told you this story before, but I'll tell you again just in context with this. Where he was, um, he was ready to pray him out of death. He was, on a, he was dying. And the, the Lord contended with, with uh, Brother Hagin. And he says, no, you need to let him die. You need to let him come home. And he says, well, why should I let him come home? He says, well, he's the most ready now that he's ever been. He's, 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 he's walk, he has the best walk. He's, he's not a great walk, but it's the best walk that he's had since he's been born again. You need to let him come home. He's, he's the most ready now that he's ever been to come home. Let him come home. It's not God's perfect plan. But God says, just let him come home. So he says, all right, I'll let him come home on condition that you let him come out of the coma and give a good testimony to the family. And so at one time, all the family was gathered around the bed. And for no, one, no explainable reason, Mr. Rooker came out of the coma. 
looked around the room and he, he talked to each member of the family, gave them all good testimony. And as soon as he had finished talking with the last one, he went back into the coma. And another day, Brother Hagen was there in the hospital by himself. No one else was there. And Mr. Rooker all of a sudden came suddenly out of the coma and he saw Kenneth there. He goes, Kenneth! And he says, yes, Mr. Rooker, I'm here. He says, Kenneth, I'm dying. He says, yeah, but you're ready. Just lay back and let her go. And he did just that. He laid back, he let his spirit go, and he went on to be with the Lord. So there's a release that you have to do. But you need to be ready for it. If you're in fear at all, if you don't know, if you don't learn while you're walking this earth, what awaits for you? You can be in, your fear will kick in and you'll hang on because it's all that you know. But meditate on what it is that you're going to have in heaven. It'll be good. I gave you three things, three areas that we're here on this earth for. One is ministry or service for God. You have a ministry or service for, that you do for God and that's something that you do. And that's something that you are to, to fulfill. Uh, there's a purpose. God has a purpose for your life. There's a ministry for your life, but there's also a purpose for your life. And beyond that, there's enjoyment. Yeah, life is here for you to enjoy. <laughs> you're going to have those three things. And if you fulfill all those or come close to, you know, you, where, you, where you're satisfied with those three things going on, ministry, purpose, and enjoyment, you can just lay back and let her go. Understand this. Nothing is, true, is ever truly done. Don't judge your mission, your time here on, on earth by that. Give you one more story of Brother Hagen. I haven't told this one in a while, but back in, I guess it was, a, was it 2003 when he went on to be with the Lord. And uh, uh, Brother Malcolm was the one who, Malcolm Jacobs was the one who, who reminded us of this. But uh, he had put out this book called Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. And in that book, God met with him and, uh, and told him and said, uh, he said, Kenneth, I said, I'm going to give you 15 more years. Same almost the same thing he said to Hezekiah. I don't know why. But he said, I'm going to give you 15 more years. And at the end of that 15 years, if you are not satisfied, you can ask for more. And so he went on. And uh, as, as when he died in 2003, and when he died, he, um, if you don't remember some of the story, the, the Hortons were here, and they were with him when he died. And they gave us a firsthand account of what all happened with the thing. So they were in the house that Sunday morning when Brother Hagen uh, collapsed at the table. And so he uh, came down because... Uh, they always came over and they fixed up a big breakfast on Sunday morning before they went on over to church. She was real instrumental in helping out with some of the things with Aretha and, and uh, uh, so she would make this breakfast. And so he came down that Sunday morning and he said, uh, would you make me one more big breakfast? She thought it was funny that he would say it that way, but she said, well, yeah, of course, I'll make you a breakfast. And so she made a you know, big Sunday breakfast and um, he, he was down on there and he, he had that breakfast. And after the breakfast was finished, he said he had the most satisfied look on his face. And he looked around the table. And then just like that, he collapsed into his, on, the, on the table. And that was it. Now, they say he, he hung on for a week because they had him in the hospital and they had him on life support and stuff like that. But the family said, no, he was dead at that point. He never came, came around. He, he let his spirit go. Well, Brother Malcolm was the one who called us up about that. And he says, you know what? I, I, I figured it out. And we, he looked at the time that he got that word and the time that he died. It was 15 years in one month. 15 years in one month. You imagine writing a book 15 years before saying that God told you you have 15 more years and exactly 15 years. Now, he could have had more time, but apparently he was satisfied. Was the work done? 
No, there's always more work to be done. But he had passed it off to other people. He commissioned other people, and it was time that he could go on. And he went on, and he, he went, isn't that a good way to go? Just release it. Just release it. So as you get people that are getting close to, to, to dying, make sure you prepare them. Get them born again. Get them serving God. And if they are, you understand, you can just, you get to that point, just release it. Just release your spirit. You've got to release it, though. You can hang on to it. That's not God hanging on. That's you. God doesn't make people hang on. People do. You can hang on. You can keep on going. But that's not necessarily the way God wants, to do, wants you to go. There's not a day that's appointed for you to die. But there is a time. Or there's a, that you are appointed once to die. That day can vary. We showed you a couple of examples in the Word of God where it varied. And it can. And some people went home early. Paul even write about some people. said some folks go home early because they don't discern the Lord's body correctly. They could have stayed longer. Well, you know what? The best thing is that you went home. <laughs> That's the best thing in the world, that you went home. That's, I mean, there's all kinds of good just in that part, that you went home. Get your life ready. Make sure you live your life. This life is nothing. Whatever pleasures, whatever good things are in this life, it is nothing compared to what you have up there. From what I understand of stuff, you can sleep if you want to. You don't have to sleep. You can eat if you want to. You don't have to eat. You can do whatever. You are not limited. I think about this too. You know, I heard people that were runners. They got up there and came back and they said, you could run as long as you wanted to. It's like, dear God. Ah, <laughs> oh, that'd be fun. But you know, there's different things that people have that you like to do and you will be able to do it. You're not just going to sit around in heaven praising God and having a big church service for all the time. That's not what heaven's about. That's not what it is now. They are busy at work on the battles that go on on this earth and you are involved with it. That's not what heaven is. For somebody get this idea, we all float around on wings and we eat stuff. and that's, uh, that's not it. No. You're going to be busy. Oh, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Whatever it is that you really like to do, you can do it even better in heaven. And you can't die. And people don't fight you on it. It's a good thing. Like I say, if you meditate on it too much, you want to go now. <laughs> Dear Lord, just take me on. I just want to go. <laughs> and we can all think of, well, yeah, but what about this part that's down here? But I'll tell you what, there is nothing in this earth on this side that you will miss when you're on the other. Because whatever it is that you have on that side will dwarf what you have on this side. It's just, it's just the way it is. I know there's talk about, well, you know, I want to have kids and, and raise them on up. And I don't know where the thought was that we would never have kids to raise up in heaven. I, I'm not telling you that there is going to be kids and raising up in heaven. I'm just telling you, I don't know where the thought was. When God put Adam and Eve down here on the earth and it was a perfect place, what did he tell them to do? <laughs> have kids. Fill up the earth. <laughs> so, why we have it that it's some kind of a super spiritual thing that we don't have kids in? I don't know where that came from. But um, don't you worry about it. Whatever we are missing on this side will be replaced by something far better on the other side. Far better. How many of you remember back to your first car that you ever had? How many really love that first car? Or how many just got a car that just kind of got you by? Yeah. How many have replaced that car with one that is a whole lot better? Did you ever sit there and say, oh, I missed that first car. I missed the way that the door didn't close. 
I miss the way that the window wouldn't roll up on the one side. I really miss that I didn't have heat in the wintertime and that it had no air conditioning and only an AM radio. But, boy, I miss having that. I wish I could just have an AM radio now. Did you ever do that? No. We have, we have been replaced with stuff that we, we, oh, man, is it good. I mean, we, I've, some of you folks don't go back this far, but I go back far enough on cars that you turn the high beams on with your foot. How many remember that? <laughs> A lot of you folks say, huh? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. No, nope, you turn your high beams on with your foot. All cars are like that. That's how they work. But we don't miss that, do we? Now I have my lights turn on for me automatically. I do not ever want to buy a car that does not turn my lights on for me automatically. Once I've been spoiled. i got a car now that has climate control. I do not miss having to turn the thing up high and low and all this. No, 72 degrees. Just keep it 72 degrees. I don't want to think about it. Just keep it at 72. And it does. Oh, it's wonderful. It makes all the adjustments for me. It's just, and if you call me and I'm in my truck and I'm driving around, you know my truck is smart enough that it turns the fan down so that you don't hear my fan until the phone calls over and then it turns the fan back on for the air conditioner or the heater or whatever it is. turns it all down low so that I can hear the conversation as soon as it's over, bang, it comes on. Isn't that great? Yeah. We going back to the other stuff? No. Absolutely not. They're, they're talking about getting a car that's going to be, a, it's, it's pretty close to being on the drive itself. Hallelujah. I mean, you can imagine going at nighttime. You're tired. You don't really want to go home. Just tell, car, take me home. And uh, just lay back, close your eyes, and wake up, and here you are. <laughs> home. No, we don't want to go back. You won't miss all that other stuff. Let me tell you what, whatever heaven has, it is far better than anything you've got down here. It will blow it out of the water. Be looking forward to it. Give God every bit you can when you're down here. Serve Him. Be a light. Be that candle. Live your life for Him because when you get on up there, every person I have ever heard who has died and gone on to heaven and somehow came back, every single person I've ever heard did not want to. They all said, can we just stay here? And they missed people. They were going to miss missing people. Wives, kids, parents. They're going to miss some people. And every single one of them, no, I just want to stay here. This is, this is awesome. <laughs> wow. Death is not a bad thing. Never be afraid to die. Don't be somber when people who are born again go on to be with Jesus. We should be glad. They are in a good place. They are in a better place. They are in better shape than they were before. We may be missing them. But they really aren't missing us yet. They don't have the opportunity. It's because it, time just doesn't pass the same. Just not the same thing. They're going to think, you know, maybe an hour or two hours, maybe a day. And then all of a sudden you're on the scene. Oh, it's going to be good. Would you all stand up with me? So we pray here today. We want to pray for a few folks who didn't make it out to uh, service today. Susan and Anna both were having sinus infections. I think I heard that Susan also had a, um, a really bad headache, migraine headache or some type of thing going on like that as well. I didn't hear that Anna had that, but just heard that Susan did. Uh, Elizabeth is not here. She's been feeling, uh, um, uh, struggling with something all week long. And so we didn't see see her. Uh, I'm assuming that's, that's not where I'm not seeing her today anyway. I didn't hear from her this morning. Uh, but anybody else who needs prayer for a thing? 
Because we want you to, while you're down here on earth, we want you to enjoy your time down here on earth. It, it should be enjoy. But it's just not going to be nearly as enjoyable as what it's going to be up there. <laughs> Father, we thank you for what we have to look forward to. It's going to be a good day to be up there with you. We look forward to that day when we cease being in this body and are up in heaven with you. This body is just a house for our spirit. It's not us. And when this body is released from the spirit, the spirit moves on, we'll be in heaven with you. We look forward to that day. We look forward to that time. Help us, Father, while we are down here to be everything we can for you. And help us to minister to those who maybe are getting close to moving on to the next life. That we help them not to hang on, just to hang on. They can hang on if they want to for a purpose, for ministry, for enjoyment. But other than that, just lay back and let her go. As the Word of God says, give up the ghost. <laughs> give up the spirit. And let it go on. Father, we want to be prepared. We want to be ready. We'll spend some time, our service down here, meditating on how good things are going to be up there because it encourages us. It gets us ready to do the things we need to down here. Knowing that whatever it is that we lose in this life will be replaced by stuff far better on the other side. We look forward to it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Before we go on, it is our communion Sunday.